Welcome to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, be sure to visit us at cbctaylorville.com. Listen now as our guest speaker delivers this week's message. Open your Bible this morning. Let's get right into it to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to begin reading in verse number 12, just a couple of verses. Paul writes to these Philippians, and he says, Not that I have already obtained all of this, or have already been made perfect. But notice what Paul said, But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, I think Paul was saying here in verse 12, is I take hold of Jesus with his sustaining grace, just as Jesus took hold of me with his saving grace. When Paul said in verse 12, not that I have already obtained all of this, Paul is referring to what he said in verse 10. And if you have your Bibles open, if you want to go back to verse 10, Paul said, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of sharing in the sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And now in verse 13, Paul says, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I'm not sure. I can't tell you for a fact that I'm there yet. That I know Christ like I ought to know Christ. That I know his power like I ought to know his power, his resurrection. Hey, folks, I've got to tell you, Paul is saying, I, I, I'm not sure I'm there with the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. He says, I, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I'm not perfect. I haven't arrived yet. I'm still growing. This Christian life is still a process. I think Paul would say it like this. God is still working on me. I'm still growing. I'm still maturing. I'm not there yet. But notice what he said. But one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Then he said in verse 14, I press on. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Lord, I just pray you bless your word. I pray, God, you make it so applicable for us today. 
God, may we leave this place with a total understanding of what God in his word is telling us today. Anoint the preacher now as he preaches. Oh, God, how I need you. I just want to be a blessing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, in these verses, Paul is comparing the Christian life to running a race. And the race that he's referring to is not a sprint. This race is not a hundred-yard dash. The race that Paul is referring to, this Christian race that we're in, it's a marathon. Because I got to tell you, folks, it takes a marathon to reach a maturity in Christ. Paul even said himself that he hadn't quite taken hold of all of it yet. He was still growing. This thing's a marathon, this growing in Jesus, maturing in Jesus. In fact, the word perfect in verse 12 is referring to that mature relationship with Jesus. And I've got to tell you, shouldn't that be the goal of every believer to want to be growing in Jesus, to be complete in Jesus? Shouldn't it be our goal to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ? So Paul talks about this race. This race where we're growing. This race where we're maturing. This race where we're becoming complete in Jesus. Paul talks about this race. And I believe this race, as far as we as followers of Christ are concerned, let's call it the Amazing Grace Race. That's a good name for this race, isn't it? The Amazing Grace Race. Well, every race has a starting point, right? So let's talk about that for a while. Let's talk about commencing the Amazing Grace Race. Well, we see that in verse 12. If you want to look back into your Bibles there, Chapter 3, not that I have already obtained all of this, and we've talked about that, or have already been made perfect, we've talked about that. And notice now, but I press on to take hold of that for which, now watch this, Christ Jesus took hold of me. I started this race, Paul is saying, by that thing that Jesus took hold of me. And what it was, it was his amazing grace of salvation. That's what Jesus took hold of me. He took hold of me by his grace. He saved me by his grace. In fact, Paul wrote about it in Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace are you saved. So Jesus took hold of me, Paul is saying, and he saved me by his amazing grace. We sing the song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, the grace of Christ. But we must not forget that Jesus also not just gives us this saving grace, this saving, amazing grace, but Jesus gives us, and praise his name, his sustaining grace. 
I like that. His sustaining grace. Jesus took hold of Paul and saved him with saving grace to live and serve him with sustaining grace in a world that's full of unbelievers. And that's exactly what Jesus saved us to do as well. Jesus saved us with his saving grace and, and, and we serve him with sustaining grace so that we can be an impact, so we can make a difference, so that we can, we can live our life out in this world. And when people see us, they see Jesus. That's our job as well, to be Jesus in skin, to be the church in shoe leather. Our saying at Bethany back in Florida is this, and we say it just about every week, love God and love others. That's the way we're to live. We are to love God, and if we love God like we ought to love God, then we cannot help to love others like we ought to love others. So Jesus saves us, but also by his grace, he sustains us. Isn't that wonderful That we live by the sustaining grace of Jesus. So that's commencing the amazing grace race. Well, now we're in the race. We've started. We've been saved. We're believers. We're Christ followers. Now let's talk about continuing the amazing grace race. And... To be able to continue this race that Jesus has put us in when we got saved, first thing we want to talk about is focus on the present. In the race, focus on the present. Verse 13, but, Paul said, but this one thing I do. Paul said, there's something I can do. The thing I can do is I can focus on the now, the right now, the present. Paul is talking about that concentration on the moment. The moment is this, what am I I doing? What is it I can do for Jesus in the moment? How can I serve God? What gift has he given me so that I can serve him and serve others? In the now, in the present, in the moment. This is the one thing I do. I will concentrate on living my life for Jesus. And now, something else in this continuing of this amazing grace race. I only focus on the present but forget the past. So very important. You know, the past is the past. Boy, that's profound, isn't it? You didn't know that, did you? The past is simply the past. Look at verse 13. Paul said, forgetting what is behind. Forgetting what is behind. Paul had not attained perfection, but Paul was determined to forget the past. Paul had a lot in his past that he had to forget to be of service to Jesus. Paul had a lot to forget 
why he was a murderer, a killer of believers. He killed many Christians. He did his best to stop the church from ever beginning. And he was on the hunt for those followers of Christ. But you see, Paul, when he got saved, he had to forget all of that to go forward, to be used of God in the way God wanted to use him. Why he couldn't dwell on his murdering past. He had to put that behind him to go forward. So he says, this one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to forget the past. God saved me, and when he saved me, the past is the past. Let me say something to you and to me. We all have a past to forget, don't we? Anybody in here perfect? I didn't think so, okay? We don't want lightning to strike the place. We all have something that we need to forget. And you will never go forward if you're continually looking backward. They have in cars, they're called review, review mirrors. And you look in these rearview mirrors, and when you look in the rearview mirror, what are you looking at? The stuff that's behind you, right? You're looking at the stuff that's back there. And as you look in the rearview mirror, you're not going forward, you're going backwards. So for Christians, a lot of us need to get rid of our rearview mirrors. Spiritually speaking, quit looking in them and looking about all that stuff that is behind us and start looking in the front windshield and going forward, serving the Lord. I tell you, if the devil can do anything, he can get you to look at your past, get you stopped real quick, and, 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 and he'll cause you to, to, to run into a bunch of stuff too and make a lot of damage. Don't let your past affect your present. A lot of people can't do anything today because they keep thinking about what they did yesterday. That's past. You can't relive it. You can't redo it. It's past. Let go of it. Don't let your past consume you or it will control you. Many people are being controlled by what's happened to them in the past. Never can move forward. You're always looking backward. So forget your past. Let's talk about that a little bit more. Let's, let's get a little more detailed about this. For, when we talk about forget your past, what, what particularly, what about forget your past sins? Jesus has forgiven all of your sins, amen? Past, present, and future. Oh, that's wonderful. God has buried your sins in the depths of the sea, so stop fishing. Amen. Forget your past sins. We've all done something. We've all made mistakes. But for us to go forward, we forget it. Forget your past failures. What's done is done. Some of you, some of you here may be broken. 
You feel like you have failed. Okay, so maybe you blew it. Well, could I just say get over it? Because <laughs> we all blow it. Get over it. And move on. Because if you don't get over it and move on, you will be living in a perpetual state of depression. And that is where Satan wants you. Depressed. Discouraged. Despondent. I'm not worth anything. I can't do anything. I'm no good. Forget your failures. Forget them. And then another one. This one may seem strange. Forget your successes, your past successes. Successes are great. Successes are wonderful. Everybody wants to be a success. And celebrate your successes. But you can't concentrate on your successes. This church has had many successes in its history. This church has seen marvelous things done by the power of God in its history. My, my, we all have a story how this church was a blessing to my life at a point in time in my life for my life. But you can't live in that past success. You must move on. You celebrate those successes, but it's a new day. We move on. We move forward. It's a new moment in time. There are successes out there waiting to be had. There are successes through the next door that God wants to give to you as a church family. You can't dwell on your success of yesterday, but your service for Jesus today. That's what it boils down to. I, I, I've heard people, and you've heard people say this, well, I, I used to do this, I used to do that. I said, that's all right. That's, that's, that's wonderful. I'm not so concerned about what you used to do. What are you doing now? What's God doing in your life now? Because he's just as real now, today, as he was when you're referring about the stuff you used to do. Is God any less of a God then than he is now? Of course not. And then something else, forget your past grievances. That's hard for us. Don't, don't live your life in bitterness, having a grievance against somebody that hurt you in the past. You have to get over this. Well, we like to hold grudges, don't we? So we act like it's a fun thing to do. But it isn't. Because 
So many times what we do is we, 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 we hold our grudges with a, with a gripped hand. And it, it would take a stick of dynamite to open up these hands. I mean, you can, you can put nothing in a hand that is gripped this tight. And that's the way people a lot of times act with grievances. I'm going to hold on to it. It's mine. I love it. I want to camp there. It's my grievance. But when the hand is opened, now you allow God to take out those grievances and put in his grace. And oh, what a much better way to live than to live all griped up, gripped up, complaining, mad, and bitter. You know, with these gripped hands, think about this. When the devil, when the devil reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. Don't let him, don't let, don't let him have you going around with your hands gripped in grievance. An unforgiving spirit. We all blow it. We all make mistakes. We're all just human. Give us a break, right? Give us all a break. Well, we said focus on the present, forget the past, and strive now for the future. Look at verse 13. Paul said, and straining toward, straining toward what is ahead. God's got great stuff ahead. He really does. Paul is using a very expressive language here. There is a picture here. It's a picture here of a, of a runner who is headed for the finish line. And think about this runner. Every muscle is stretching and straining and striving toward the finish line. The feet are pounding the track. The arms are pumping. The chest is taking big gulps of oxygen into the lungs. And the body is totally stretched out. And with everything he's got, he's reaching toward the finish line. That's the picture. When he says, and straining Toward what is ahead. We should be praying, each of us, to finish strong. Folks, I have more behind me than I have ahead of me. I'll be 69 in October, as I said, and God has been good to me. And I've seen God do so many wonderful, wonderful things, but... Most of that's behind me. But there's still, I believe, some things ahead of me. I haven't finished yet. And that should be the attitude of all of, our, of the believers. I write in my journal every day. And in my journal, there are two things that I write. I write this, Lord, I want to finish strong. 
I pray to finish strong. And the other thing I write is this, Lord, I am totally, absolutely, 100% dependent on you for everything. Let's finish strong. Let's finish strong. Strive for the future. Straining toward what is ahead. Well, we talked about commencing the race. Then we talked about continuing the amazing grace race. And so now let's talk about concluding the amazing grace race. Look at verse 14. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Let's talk about the mark to reach. Look at verse 14 again. I press on toward the goal. I press toward the goal. Paul is talking about, again, the finish line. Paul's goal was to finish the race that he had started. He tells Timothy in chapter 4 and verse 7, I have fought a good fight, Timothy. I have finished the race. I have finished my race. I finished strong and I have remained faithful. That's the way I'm going out, Paul. That's the way, uh, 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 Timothy, that's the way I'm going to conclude this amazing grace race. Every runner who hits the tape, the finish line, is a winner. They may not come in first place, but they finish the race, they hit the tape, they're still a winner. Our races may be different, and of course our races are different. My race is different than your race. Your race is different than my race. All the goals are, are, are the same, though, and the goal is to finish the race. The goal is to be faithful, to finish the race. To conclude the race. Here's one thing I want you to take away with you. And I want you maybe to even write down if you would like. Because I tell you it really. Really talks to all of our hearts. And that is this. Speaking of faithfulness. Finishing the race. Listen. If God measured his faithfulness to you. With your faithfulness to God, what would that look like? We're to keep our eyes on that unmovable goal of Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. That's what Hebrews says, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Don't get your eyes on men. Don't you get your eyes on people. They're not dependable. They'll fail you. They'll disappoint you. 
Keep your eyes on the author and the finisher of your faith. You know why so many people don't have Jesus? You know why so many people are not saved? Because they've looked at people instead of looking at Jesus. People are sinners. Jesus isn't. If we just get people to get their eyes back on Jesus. Hebrews says, keeping our eyes on Jesus on whom our faith depends. Our faith depends on Jesus from start to finish. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Well, that's the mark to reach. And let's talk about the medal to receive. We'll be through. The medal to receive. Verse 14, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's what's going to happen at the conclusion of the race. Going to be a prize. Paul said, said it like this, for to me to live is Christ. As long as I'm in this body and while I'm living, I'm going to be living for Jesus. I'm going to let people see Jesus in me. But to die is gain. To die is gain. In the day of Paul and the Philippian Christians, the athlete that won the race would be taken to the award stand, which was the upper deck where the emperor's box was. And they would say, you've been called up. And there in the emperor's box, the winner would be given the medal of honor. The the laurel wreath would be put on the head. And I think Paul is saying, I'm an athlete for Jesus. Believers are an athlete for Jesus. Christ followers are an athlete for Jesus. And we're running to hit the tape. And when we hit the tape, we're going to be called up. Called up. And we're going to receive the prize of the heavenward calling of God in Christ Jesus. We're going to be called up. It's going to be a going to be great when God's children hit the tape and get that medal of honor. The honor of hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. We had Leroy Marburger's funeral Friday. And I see Lois is here. Miss Lois, Leroy been called up. Going to get his Medal of Honor, finished his race, finished it strong, used all of the gifts that God had given him to be faithful and to serve him. We have a dear lady back in Florida that we will be burying in the next week. God called her up. God called her up. Her race was over. She hit the tape, crossed the finish line. And see Cindy Shanks, Jim. God called him up. God called him up. Finished his race. And I believe God says to his children, well done, good and faithful. Well done, good and faithful servant.
well, one day I'm going to be called up. You're going to be called up. We're going to conclude this amazing grace race. But could I say this? You can't conclude something that you haven't commenced. What I mean by that is you're not going to be called up if you don't know Jesus. And you may be saying, I don't understand all of this Jesus stuff. You don't have to. When I got saved, I didn't know anything. I just knew that I needed Jesus. Wasn't that your case as well? That you just needed the Lord. And you just bowed your head and you just asked Jesus to come into your heart and save you. That's the way we all get saved. We weren't Bible scholars before we got saved. We're not Bible scholars after we got saved. We're learning every day. Just like Paul said, I'm maturing. I haven't gotten there yet. You know, I'm still trying to take hold of what God God took hold of me for. I'm still in this sustaining grace part. I'm still in in this race. But you got to have a starting point. You got to have a a place where you commence the race, and that is when you take Jesus Christ as your Savior. The amazing grace race has a starting point, and it starts with salvation. Now, here's what I want to ask of you. If you're here this morning, you're not in this grace race. You've never taken Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've never been born again. I pray right now that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. And there's something inside of you saying, yes, I need this. Yes, this is something that, 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 that I need to get settled. I need to quit depending on myself. I need to depend on God and his salvation. I'm tired of the way I'm living. I'm tired of my life. I want Christ. I want him to come into me and make a difference the way I live. He'll do it. If that's you this morning, would you receive Christ? You say, well, how can I do that? Just like I do every Sunday, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, please. And if you want Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer. Now, I'm not going to ask you to pray it out loud. You just silently pray it to, your, to yourself right in your heart. God will hear you. And pray this prayer. Say, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and save me. I don't understand it all. But I understand something needs to happen in my life. There's an emptiness that needs to be filled. So I'm asking you, Jesus, to do that filling. Give me joy. Give me peace. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. In Jesus' name. Father, thank you for this sweet time together sharing your word. Oh, there's nothing like the word of God. It's our hope. We love you, Lord, today. And we thank you so much for all that you do for us. 
You are so faithful. May we be faithful to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.